Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast with Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. Well, Bobby, I don't know about you, but I am a fan of watermelons, and apparently the players are too. Yeah, uh, I think everybody at this point, uh, I mean, I think when people sit down here and they listen to this next episode, they're going to... They're going to hear a lot of optimism from you. you you've had a chance to, you know, let the Christmas spirit get you and, and you're feeling optimistic and happy. And, and so now you're believing. See, we do this because last year there was a little bit of the you were believing on maybe Jason can get this together. Maybe Jason can hold it. Maybe they'll make. And so the optimism usually strikes you around here. You are full on drinking the, the watermelon Kool-Aid at this point. And so I think. For you, I just I need to catch up to you. So you go ahead and, and share your thoughts and I'll try and get in the mood. Well, hope floats, right? And uh, yes, I was down on this team, which is uncharacteristic of me. I mean, I've, to your point, I've argued for give Jason one more year. <laughs> yep. And sometimes even I, uh, the knock on me as just a human is I'm not rooted in reality at all times. And so this year I took a more pessimistic approach to this team and why wouldn't I when I didn't see signs of life there was an effort players that all of us and to be fair as as much as people say oh well you were so high on this team a lot of people were high on this team yeah. at the end of the season yeah. when you look at what we perceive as talent on the offensive inside of the ball we should go back and, and play all the clips from all the national media talking about the depth on the defensive line talking about the depth that they have at wide receiver talking about another year where we're going to see the one-two punch of tony pollard and ezekiel elliott kellen moore is such a play caller and now you've got a coach with skins on your wall and now this team what is their record six and nine right now yep, they're still yep. not gonna have a winning season bobby but here's why i'm back in I'm back in because I watched a lot of games in the last week and a half. I went and watched good football and covered good football teams, but I also saw good football teams struggling because of injuries to their quarterback, Uh, going on the road and playing an MVP like Aaron Rodgers, the Titans. I expected them to have a tough go on the road. Oh, keep eating your watermelon. I am. I'm going to eat those Sour Patch watermelons. I'm trying to get in the mood like you. We saw the Browns, who I didn't expect to lay an egg, but I also didn't expect that they'd miss half their wide receivers to a hot tub COVID controversy. <laughs> so my point is, there are so many things that can happen to all of these teams that we have voted as the best teams in the league right now. And maybe, just maybe, all that bad luck that we saw with the Dallas Cowboys to begin the season and their inability to communicate and gel, maybe, just maybe, all of those problems are setting them up for success. And I say that, Bobby, because I saw this offense allow the Eagles to Sean. I thought when the Eagles came out scoring 14 points, more importantly, that bomb from Jalen Hurts to Deshaun Jackson, I was like, that's it. This team is it's over. Put a fork in them. They rally back, allow the Eagles only to put up three more points in the game and shut them out of the second half. Takeaways. Let's talk about that. Through the first 12 weeks of the season, only 10. And the last four, they have 11 takeaways, the most in the NFL. So what if, Bobby, this team is now as healthy as they're likely going to get? They've been through their adversity. It's now a chip on their shoulder. It's us against the world, something that I felt was really missing early on. What if they catch, they catch a ride? What if they catch a break? I'm just saying... Nothing is outside the realm of possibility in 2020. We were talking about this Browns team with a winning record this season. Bob, Thursday night football, they almost pulled that one off against the Ravens. Anything is possible this year. And I'm back in because the effort and the enthusiasm and the players finally now playing up to what we said they were in last night's game. You didn't have me when they played Cincy. 
You didn't have me when they played the 49ers. But then when I look at the way the 49ers played against the Cardinals, and when I look at the way the Eagles played against the Saints, maybe this Cowboys team isn't as bad as I thought they were in the last couple of weeks. I, even though I've now munched on my uh, Sour Patch watermelons and I've had my uh, watermelon tea, uh, no. I think I think the most you're doing here, and look, Washington is winning they're in. That Dallas needs to win next week, and they need Washington to lose to be able to get in. Um, so Washington is basically in a position of if they win, they're in control of their own destiny. They're a mess right now. The Alex Smith injury and then all the stuff with Dwayne Haskins, who was released on Monday. Uh, they let a first-round quarterback go. First of all, I'll weigh in here real quick. Mm-hmm. Love the move from Ron Rivera. You don't send a better message to that locker room about the new sheriff in town, especially when that was Dan Snyder's guy. Yeah, then cutting a first-round pick, cutting a first-round quarterback. And I can't remember if it was him or uh, Montez Sweat that they had traded up for, but it may have been Haskins. So, I mean, but either way, it was somebody who invested a top 15 pick in and a guy who, uh, coming out of Ohio State, I think a lot of the lauding that he got and a lot of the uh, accolades that he got a lot of it was centered around people talking about how he was a, a leader and he was a born leader and he was you know named a captain here in Washington and it's looked like anything but so far and Ron Rivera you know went ahead and cut bait and maybe that's enough maybe that sends enough of a message and motivates guys and uh, and it helps them but it also could be looked at the other way and say they're in disarray and they're in a, a little bit of a, a struggle as they head into this game with the Eagles even if the Cowboys make the playoffs I don't care who they're getting in their wild card matchup. I don't see them beating anybody that they would play in the playoffs. And so to me, it'd be more just, okay, you ended up dropping yourself a lot further down in the draft in the name of something, in the name of, you know. Well, look, Bobby, you've got it. They're, what they're playing for is pride. But I, I just, I, when I, you know, I wouldn't, I covered the Saints game on Christmas and. Alvin Kamara had those six rushing touchdowns was was tremendous. The Minnesota Vikings defense is trash this year. I mean, from fifth last season to 25th, which, by the way, a lot of people tell you in Minnesota that George Edwards, who, by the way, is here in Dallas, had a lot to do with their success last year. Now, look, they've had a lot of injuries as well. Eric Kendricks, obviously a guy that they're missing. But I keep wondering, you've got that type of guy in Dallas, bought a house here, family here. Why not utilize his brain a little bit more? How much are you utilizing? But I look at that Saints team, and they've got a lot of injuries. We don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be 100% when they get him back in three weeks for that Mm -hmm. playoff push. We don't know if they're going to have Marcus Williams back. That that defense, the Saints defense, while they played really well against Minnesota, you're also playing against Kirk Cousins. I, I don't know. I think the only team right now that I'm really, really worried about in the NFC would be the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is just on one this year. So, I don't know. Remember a couple of years ago, it was two years ago, we said the Cowboys can't beat the Saints. And I think they'd won, what, what 10 straight? That was that, yeah. was it, a, it was a late November game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Cowboys shocked us. The Cowboys just are the most unpredictable team as it relates to trying to say how they're going to come out and perform. So that's why I keep saying, what if? I guess that's my biggest thing, though, is that even if you want to look at all these flawed contenders, like who's a flawed contender they've even beat? I mean, even when they've gotten up there, Baltimore reeling and, you know, Lamar Jackson one day out of COVID protocol, they destroyed them. And Dallas has gotten, you know, shredded by uh, other teams that that seem to be – even the Washington with all their flaws and and everything like that has now beaten you by 20-plus points twice. And, I mean, that that Thanksgiving game was a month ago. The 49ers, they didn't have Mullen playing. They had C.J. Beathard instead. And, obviously, San Francisco is the only team that's been hit by injuries more than Dallas. And so that's that's why I try to use them and Washington as my litmus. Well, and Washington's beaten you by 20-plus two times. I just have a hard time seeing that they could beat anybody in there. They may sneak in but because this they. This is the healthiest they've been. This is the healthiest we've seen this roster well, back the, up to four it, and the most cohesive we've seen this offensive line. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's there's a lot of for as much as we ragged on Terrence Steele, I tweeted this like you've got to give him credit for he's not a black hole anymore. I'm not going to say he's an All Pro, but I mean he's been solid enough that you're not hearing his name every other snap, and you're not you know seeing just whiffing against whatever defensive end is up there. He's playing okay. He's stabilized, and that's a testament to his improvement, which is great. And then it's also a testament, I think, bigger than that, to the 
mental strength and the mental toughness to continue to power through a lot of criticism. That's something that if you ask people within the Cowboys organization, that was one of the biggest problems Chaz Green had. Chaz Green, outside of the injuries, there was a, a he had difficulty, you know, keeping his morale high. And Terrence Steele apparently has has not had that same issue, despite being yanked out of the line, benched, you know, pulled around and 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 having those sort of issues and hearing a lot of criticism has managed to kind of stay the course and steadily improve. And so there's some good things there. You're finally getting Donovan Wilson on the field, who's been a bright spot. You're finally starting to separate Randy Gregory from Dorrance Armstrong in terms of the number of snaps, despite Jerry just thinking Dorrance Armstrong is Lawrence Taylor 2.0. When you listen to him give interviews, he's always got to mention Dorrance Armstrong is a bright spot for I don't know what, because there's not been a lot of great from Dorrance Armstrong this year, but you're finally seeing them kind of, I think, find the rotation they know that works for them. Neville Gallimore wasn't getting snaps early on, and when he was, he was out of position. Sometimes you've seen him grow, and you're seeing him get the right, you know, sort of traction, and uh, D-Law's playing really well, and Randy Gregory's finding his footing, and, you know, while Jalen Smith has not been great, Jalen Smith has not had the same sort of low lights that you're seeing as frequently. Again, I don't think he's had a good season. I don't think he's even playing super well right now, but he's not been terrible lately um, which that's kind of sad that that's the bar we're looking at here but you got Trayvon Diggs back from injury Trayvon Diggs third interception of the season yesterday all of them against the Eagles he's the first cornerback for the Cowboys to have three interceptions in a season since Brandon Carr did it eight years ago so I mean there's some things there to like but I mean at the end of the day I like we're going with this yeah I you know in journalism but but that's exciting for 2021 to me not this year okay in journalism school they say it's the tell it to the friend so I, t- I did the tell it to my dad method. And I realized that perhaps you and I have gotten a little bit out of touch with our Cowboys fan base. And every time they come to our podcast, we commensurate with them this year. There's a bit of psychology involved. We are working through the problems. And then I thought to myself, they need hope. They need <laughs> hope, Bobby. So I want this to be a more hopeful podcast as it relates to this team. So staying with that. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need a lot more watermelon to get okay. hopeful. So good. I threw watermelon in my smoothie too this morning. Good, good. You I should. Fired this up, is ready for very this sweet, by the way. Because I, I don't linger in negativity, and it's been hard for me this year because it's forced me to operate in reality. Because is that my fault? Because Jane, you're you're you're, you're always the optimist. I'm Mister Pessimism. So I wonder if I've just rubbed off on you this year. No, I mean, you. I, I've watched some really bad football. I mean, you and I have been in the press box, and I, I remember there was one play specifically, and I said, Jalen Smith is absolutely confused. He is He is not being re, He is not being proactive in his assignments. He's being reactive. Like, how mm-hmm. much time is Jalen Smith actually spending in his playbook? And there'll be some stuff that I can say at the end of the season as it relates to some of the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes. And I think with that being said, knowing – the struggles behind the scenes, knowing the amount of injuries, knowing where this team's morale was, to see them galvanize the way they have in recent weeks, I don't think they're playing for Mike Nolan's job. I don't think they're necessarily even playing for Mike McCarthy. I think they're doing it for each other, and Mm -hmm. I think they're doing it in the sense that they're tired of being trash because that was the biggest argument that I had when I released my report uh, back in November was, players which there wasn't a lot of turnover on this team the problems bobby were the fact that they brought in more free agents than they had in years past yep a lot more coaching staff stood on the table for some of those free agents that didn't sit well with some of the veterans and again i'll reveal some more as the season ends and we see where this whole thing shakes out but that was a big deal for this team to overcome and what i've noticed in recent weeks is Sean Lee has taken on more of a leadership role. And I thought it was really interesting how Mike McCarthy was asked about Sean Lee and this idea of him coaching down the line. We talked to his um, agent, mm-hmm. Mike McCartney, mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the season. He talked about how he expected Sean to coach at some point, more of a college direction. But I think if Sean's smart, and, and we saw this with Sean uh, two years ago after Layton's rookie season. There was a, He was generating a lot of interest from other teams. I had one NFC East team say to me, if he becomes available, I'm going after him. Thought that was interesting. He's been so loyal. He's loyal as a Labrador to this team. And he does everything the right way from the story I told you about 
all the guys when they fly out to Oxnard, mm-hmm. a lot of them will just meet you in California. He has a place in Santa Barbara. He flies all the way home to Dallas, gets on the plane, and then goes all the way back. He just does things the right way. I wouldn't be surprised if these guys aren't hanging out with old Sean Lee, whether it be in Zoom rooms or in any way that they can, and he's doing a little bit more behind the scenes than maybe we know about. Um, I don't know that for sure. I just noticed that if you've seen him in the pregame huddles, uh, on the sidelines, I know in years past, he was a little bit more reserved about that leadership role because he felt he was injured and he shouldn't really have a say. But I looked to even the times we saw him on the the, set, the headsets when mm-hmm. he was injured and how that galvanized that linebackers group. I'm just saying it feels like there's something going on there. Yeah, and I remember uh, one of the – it was like the second day of training camp when I was out at practice and Sean Lee was hurt. So, I mean, he wasn't doing anything. But he was with the linebacker group and he was out there for the entire practice just, you know, hanging around with them kind of going through like their drills, like as they're going through the drills, he's not doing it, but he's kind of mirroring them off to the side, doing whatever he could physically. And there was a lot of George Edwards was actually leading the linebacker drills, which is, it wasn't the linebacker coach, um, Scott McCurley. It was not him. It was George Edwards. And Sean Lee was right in George Edwards hip pocket the whole time. And they were kind of chatting, but it was weird. It was like, they were kind of like, you know, talking through things as equals and like kind of looking at things. And, 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 and that's been the case for a long time um, that I think anybody here who's on the defensive staff, you remember Rod Marinelli borderline crying at the end of one season when he was talking about Sean Lee and talking about like, you guys need to appreciate him. You need to know how special he is. Yeah. And then um, I remember I was out at practice a couple of years ago and, and Ben Bloom was, you know, going through and, and coaching them. And there was one point and he turned to Sean Lee and he goes, Sean, what should we do next? What do you want to do? Should we do that? And like, Sean was all about it and all in. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of the coaches have a lot of respect for Sean Lee and the, the type of football mind that he is. And I know the players do. Um, I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago, I've talked to a lot of people in the league recently, just gauging their ideas. on like, who's the smartest football person you've ever met. There's been a lot of people. The most common answer I got was Sean Lee. And that's the thing. And that's players, coaches, that's personnel people, that's people in Dallas, outside of Dallas. He has a lot of respect. And I think a lot of people naturally think, you know, the way if, uh, you know, if he wants to be a coach, the way some people look at it, the way people talk about Peyton Manning. If Peyton Manning wanted to be a coach, he'd be one of the best. I think people think of Sean Lee the same way. If he wanted to do it, if he has that desire, he will be able to do it and he'll do it really well. Well, and I think Mike McCarthy and him, you know, they're both from the Pennsylvania the state of Pennsylvania. I think they both have a very similar, like this workhorse background. I think it's going to be very intriguing. I thought there were some very telling comments from him. And and my whole argument is you promoted Kellen Moore to offensive coordinator after what, two seasons. Yeah. And, and, and Kellen, Kellen Moore, whatever. Kellen was another guy. People talked about similarly when he was playing that one day he'll be a really good coach. So it was the same sort of discussion surrounding him. And Sean's been in your organization even longer than mm-hmm. Kellen. Yeah. So I, I I don't think this would be necessarily a shock for me if we see that. I actually think it would be really like when we're, you and I are beginning to hear names float around. Mike Nolan, I'd be willing to say right now, Mike Nolan's not here next year. Just the players don't respect him. I hear he's a lovely guy. Like I said, this is not a, a, a a smear campaign as it relates to him. I really don't even know Mike Nolan that well. Mm-hmm. I think what I do know is and talking to the guys in the locker room and talking to guys that deal with the guys in the locker room, you name it. It's pretty across the board um, as it relates to maybe Mike Nolan would be great as a, as an assistant coach, the roles uh, reversed. Coach, what, what, if, what if, what if he was, what if he was the defensive, uh, you know, consultant that George Edwards as in George Edwards was calling no the defense. Would respect him in that role. And so, but I mean, but I'm saying that it's same where if you're a consultant, like I'm saying that that may have been a better structure. If Mike Nolan's just here, somebody just kind of standing off to the side and like dropping an input, but he's not necessarily overseeing anything. Whereas if George Edwards was potentially calling the defense and overseeing the defense. Would he want well, I'm not. I'm not saying for next year. I'm just. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying about next year. I don't think you can do that. That's undermining. I don't think you can demote somebody and flip them and and have it. I, I think that'd be bad for all parties involved. I'm just saying that entering the year, I wonder if Mike McCarthy could do it over again. If Mike McCarthy would say, if he wanted those two people on his staff, if he just reversed their roles and flip them a little bit, and you're more just kind of 
floating around the different position groups and chiming in or talking in meetings and coming up with ideas, but you're not in charge of anything. And we'll have George Edwards run the defense. But I mean, I also know George Edwards does not run the type of defense that the Cowboys entered the season wanting that they wanted the multiple looks and things like that. And Mike Nolan for his flaws has experience doing it. It's not necessarily great experience. He doesn't have a lot of high marks on, you know, where his defenses have finished over the years. So, but he at least had, done some of that in the past, whereas George Edwards had been pretty strongly a 4-3 guy most of his career. And you've got 4-3 talent on this defense. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I, I keep going back to, if you could do it all over again, we're all guilty of trying to do too much, too soon, especially. Mm-hmm. And I maybe it's because Mike thought he had that runway of a year off and they had a very clear vision of what this team and the personnel was. And then, you know, COVID happened. And, and, you know, I just keep going back to sometimes you've got to abandon the initial plan in order to just get these guys, you know, to, to just play. I I just didn't feel like they were, and I know they were checked out, but my point in bringing up all of this Slater sunshine is that it does feel like these guys uniquely believe in each other and themselves finally and maybe it's a smashing of watermelons maybe it's I don't know about you but like sometimes I just can't stay down you know it's like you've got like you just realize like I, I've got to bounce back not so me I love wallowing in depression you love wallowing it's in great it. I, I can't stay you, down. you ever seen inside out you ever seen inside out Mm-mm. the Pixar movie oh no. they've got all the little emotions and they can't understand why the one emotion sadness they're like how is like everything that's even happy you have like a sad take on it so that that's me. I love to stay in the negative zone. So that's uh, I'm here to balance your sunshine. And I and I think that that's <laughs> it's important we get back to our corners as it relates to this. I know because for people tuning in, this thing has been dark for you this year, and I apologize. But I Jerry could not physically sell me on this team or this coaching staff until they played the Eagles last night because I truly thought they were going to have a hard time with Miles Sanders. Jalen Hurts. I have no idea why Doug Peterson got away from the run as quickly as he did. That was a game. Again, I think it's the same sort of thing that it's just puzzling that you've seen a couple times this year where it's like, why are teams not running the ball against Dallas? Do what Cleveland did. Do what Baltimore did. Just come, just keep running it. You will get it. And they were, they were having success running the ball. And then their D their DB did not do them any favors. Who was the guy that kept covering Gallup and they kept going to last night? Yeah. Um, um, I forget his name. It's um, Mark. Mark Cal, uh, it's, it's something, but he, regardless, we don't even need to mention it. It was his, his, his it's, he, he's played after. five games in the NFL before. I think his first it, game or something was the one against Dallas a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was getting torched. He was getting torched. And again, that's, there's some positivity there. That, that if you want to build on in terms of like, let's look at the positive things about this team and yes, let's look at positive, like. then I think you look at the receivers are all playing really well. I think that for, and I heard uh, our buddies, Jeff Cavanaugh and Brian brought us talking about this on 105.3 The Fan today, that I think any of the whispers or questions or some of the things that were being discussed over the last year about Amari Cooper, I think you can put him to bed. The fact that he's about to set career highs almost across the board without playing with Dak Prescott other than just the first five games. And I think that Amari Cooper's really stepped up. And I think it also speaks to he was really banged up last year. And that was a large problem, I think. And I think that there was, you know, Amari's a private guy. The Cowboys don't like openly talking about all the injuries all the time. And so I'm sure it came down to just nobody wanted to acknowledge what was holding him back. And so I think Amari Cooper's silenced a lot of questions. CeeDee Lamb's been great. Um, as a rookie, he's somebody that, I mean, the only thing that's been a problem with him and I tweeted during the game, there's been some focus drops. There've been some weird times where he's just trying to get up field or he's doing so he's had some drop issues at times that weren't there at Oklahoma really. And so I wonder if he's just been first year in the NFL. No, but I wonder, but I mean, drops are generally something that like when you get to the NFL, you have, that's a, a problem you have in college still. And so it's a little weird to see it now, but I think that's probably, there's a little bit of pressing. Like there's just this, been this pressure of just, we got to score, we got to get it. And I, I think that's probably part of it. But Michael Gallup, it was good to see him, you know, really step up yesterday after he had kind of, he's been the one who's had the the biggest fallback with Dak out. He's the one that has had, has seen his production cut the most, but I mean, but good he stuff was those there. Guys, he was that guy that I think has gotten better year after year, week after week, and who wants to be great. Mm-hmm. And like the, you want to talk about the ultimate team guy. 
I love how selfless he is as a player. I wish you don't expect that from the, like this is the least diva wide receivers group <laughs> Dallas has ever had. I mean, think about it. Yeah. There is, there's no ego with wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I, I don't think it's in and a how bad way. Rank them? I don't think it's in a bad way, but there is some, there's some ego or there's some, there's some definite cockiness, confidence, swagger that CD lamb has. I, I think you As see that. Should. And no, yeah, I know he, he absolutely should. Justin Jefferson year, but it's been a pretty nice year for. I, him. I want. I want that guy. Guys who stand on islands. I want that. If you're a defensive end, you're an offensive tackle, you're a wide receiver or corner. If you are like mano a mano against somebody frequently throughout the entire game, like I want you to have that. I don't necessarily want it from other positions where I think it can be a little bit more detrimental to be so like me focused. But on those positions, I think. You want a cocky guy who, you know, has full confidence in his abilities. You want I don't think it's cocky. I think it's more confident with him. I love that's his a, confidence. That's a, that's, I don't see it that's a blurred line a little bit. I mean, that's a fine line between cocky and confident. I think they're the traits Smith are similar. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but I think that there's a little bit of the you know, the and by the way, I know I'm gonna this is probably the least popular thing I will say all year. Because I love the player. I think CD's great. I really hope that he decides to retire the wipe his nose point for a first down when he gets a big catch for a first down. That is probably my least cel- favorite celebration in Cowboys history. It's just gross. The swipe isn't bad. Uh, I the, know this sounds like the anti-Jalen Smith. I know. This uh, is supposed to be positive. I'm already turning it super negative. Sorry. That's what I do. No, but it's me. Jalen but, Smith, the swipe thing just But I just just the wipe the nose. I just don't like the nose and point. And again, it's not like, a, oh, that's too kind. It's just like, it's gross. Like, I don't want to see you wiping your nose and pointing for a first down. And so I, 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 yeah, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not a big fan of that celebration, but, uh, no, I think overall the receivers have been really bright. Dalton Schultz, I think has been huge. That's a guy. A lot of people I think thought was going to get cut potentially during training camp. We finally have tight end depth, Bobby. Absolutely. Blake, Bell. Blake Bell's been good. Schultz. Dalton Schultz. And when has been Blake good. Jarwin comes back. Yeah. Which is why I also think it's ridiculous that some people are trying to say, well, go draft Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. No, no, no please don't do that. Defense, um, defense, defense, offensive line. I think before, I think he's not been a stud or anything, but I think you're finally seeing what can happen when Connor Williams is able to be in one spot and focus on one thing and, and stay healthy. And I think he's been solid. Um, I think you saw some good things from Tyler Biotish, um this year that he and what he's been asked to do. Tony Pollard's shown some explosiveness. And again, you're getting, you know, good play out of Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence. There's, there's positivity to build on. And I think you that know, it is, you bring up a great point The Tyler Biotish, the fact we don't talk enough about him means he hasn't been a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I, I mean, not, like, I mean, not, since, not, thing. yeah. When he's been out there, he's been good. Now Looney, obviously Looney has been back in the lineup the last few weeks, but when he was out there, he was, it's funny when you look at the film too, it's not like there's a bunch of pancakes or like a bunch of like, you know, highlight reel type blocks. Like I remember when Lyle Collins was a rookie, he was always such a freak athlete and he'd get out there and he's so strong that like, even when he was blowing assignments every now and then because he was a rookie, you'd see him like he was a, you know, a Twitter darling because people would love to play the clips of him, like, you know, blocking three people on a play. You don't get that with Tyler Biotish, but it's just, it's solid. It's, it's, you know, nice, solid technique and it gets the job done. And so I think that there's a lot of positivity there. The biggest positive heading in next year is just, you're going to get healthy. You're not going to be this unhealthy again next year. You're not going to have this many injuries next year. But I mean, I do think that, there's a couple spots where they've decided to make the youth movement and they've decided to let some guys get out there like Donovan Wilson. And like we had mentioned about that and Brandy Gregory and, and letting guys really get out there and play to their full potential. And I think that there needs to probably be more of that. And I think that's something that the Cowboys are probably internally going to be looking at at the end of the year is okay. Where are some spots where we're maybe holding on to guys and that we need to just say, you know, time's up here. Well, and I think we started to see that in 2016 with the departure of Tony Romo, which I think it still, if people had to look back at it, I'd be interested to see if, if people would have liked, like, if it, you can't really say that how things would have gone any differently with uh, Dak Prescott in there as a backup in that second year after the 13 and three run and having Tony there also, if, if competition would have been a good thing, but competition is good thing is a good thing for this team. And yeah. if you talk to wide receiver groups over the year, there was a frustration that Des Bryant was always on the field, no matter what. Other guys weren't getting other opportunities. Jason Witten, we have not seen any 
competition at that tight end position, even when he came back and I was told the building was split because they wanted to finally see Blake Jarwin build on that Giants performance in the final week when we were up there three years ago Mm -hmm. and we didn't see, or two years ago, we didn't see that because Jason Witten came back. I think you're finally seeing a coaching staff out of necessity put guys out there in order to be competitive at certain roles. And if they perform, we might have a very entertaining training camp next year as it relates to position battles, because I always feel like there has been this loyalty to players, which is what people appreciate about the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. But I also think that loyalty bites them down the road. They give guys contracts that probably shouldn't be re-upped. They play guys that are not performing up to the contract or quite frankly, father time has gotten in the way. So this year, I think creating this competitive environment and actually seeing what you've got having the young guys play and perform well only helps your cap. Yeah. I I mean, and I wish they would just go ahead and trust their personnel guys and their scouts who went out there and drafted Reggie Robinson and Bradley and I, you've had issues in the secondary. Where is Bradley and I, I don't know why he can't get on the field. You hear good that when you, when you talk to people behind the scenes, you hear good things about him. So I can't explain it, but I mean, I also couldn't explain why, there have been a number of things that have happened this year. You couldn't explain why Daryl Worley stayed on the field as long as he did, or Don Terry Poe, or Terrence Steele, or other things. So there have been some areas where they've What's the locked in. there, though, Bobby? Um, are not the homegrown guys. Well, I mean, Steele was, and I think that's the thing. The coaching staff, the coaching staff had. I don't know what the affinity was that Joe Philbin had for Terrence Steele. That's a Joe Philbin thing, I believe. And that that kept him in the lineup a long time. But yeah, the other guys, Don Terry Poe, that was deference to veterans and things like that. But even still now, I don't know why Reggie Robinson can't get on the field or Bradley and I can't get on the field. Uh, in fact, I think Bradley and I played one snap against, I think it was Arizona, maybe the Giants, one snap and he came in and got a quarterback hit. And you hear good things about him. And it's like, you know, it, I don't I know what I'd this. I quit playing Nancy Drew this season. I swore I would. I swore <laughs> that I was going to take a step back, do what most team reporters do, tell you what happened in the press conferences make my life a little easy, but now I just feel like I've got to, I got to go out and get my, uh, my magnifying glass and put on my hat and go Nancy Drew, because I am kind of curious about the Bradley and I think there's, there's always, I do, I always something missing. I, I don't know somebody in that organization. So here's the deal, pulling back the curtain a little bit. And I think some people understand this when they watch, um, all or nothing a couple of years ago that you watch in the all or nothing thing, Jerry and Steven, they sit down in those meetings with the coaches Uh, And they get, you know, everything's just kind of laid out on the table and there's a lot of discussion and kind of, you know, these staff briefings. And I think usually what you see or or what you hear when Jerry Jones gets on the radio and he's talking about people is he's, you know, turning back out things that he's learned in those meetings or things that they've talked about in those meetings. And so I don't know who it is. Someone in those meetings is really talking up Dorrance Armstrong. And that's why I believe Jerry keeps saying it. So somebody in there, somebody on that coaching staff, I don't know who it is. Could be Mike Nolan, could be Jim Tom Sula, could be Leon Lett, could be whoever. Somebody in that who is helping with that defensive rotation is really big on the idea that Dorrance Armstrong is a better player than Bradley and I. There's a, that's the reason why he's got to be out there. That, that's the only reason because it's an odd thing how frequently Jerry seems to reference how good Dorrance Armstrong has been when there's not been a whole lot of outside praise for him. And there's been a lot of wondering where's Bradley and I. So I don't know who it is. There's somebody on that coaching staff is a big fan of Dorrance Armstrong. And that's the only reason I think that Bradley and I is there. Now, Reggie Robinson, I don't know. Same sort of thing. Somebody may be a big Darian Thompson fan or somebody may be a big, you know, Cheeto Awuzie fan. There's somebody there who's got their guy that they like that's probably keeping Reggie Robinson from getting snaps. And so I think it usually comes down to that and a, a change with the coaching staff you know, because I think we are going to see a lot of changes on the defensive side of the ball with the coaching staff. Even if they do somehow get into the playoffs, I think you're going to see some of that start getting corrected. And next year, you'll see Bradley and I and Reggie Robinson getting more of a shot. And I don't think that football's any different than our job in the media or most people's jobs, wherever they might work and you're coming to us. Talent is subjective. And so I try to stay in my lane. I'm not a talent evaluator as it, as it relates to tapes. I'm there to get you the details and get you the scoops. And so my lane will be the next couple of weeks trying to figure out what's to deal with that one. <laughs> well, and that, like I say, it's... I swore I was going to lay low, but 2021 20, is right around the corner. So 
I, I know. It. Hey, new year, new you. Uh, new year, new you, digs. You, you get the chance to, to reset and uh, do things over again, just like the Cowboys defense has decided to do. But I do think that the biggest positives, the biggest things I think you can build on when you look at, especially things with yesterday, is, you know, Trayvon Diggs get another interception. That's great. I, I think they are so excited about it. I know internally they're like that staff, the coaching staff, the, the front office, everybody, they feel really good about that pick. They feel really good yes, about Trayvon. Yeah, they, they that's for all the lumps he's taken, which he's had some moments where he gets burned or anything, but they love his mental makeup. They love his ability. They yeah, think that he's going to fire. They, I think he responded to the. That can't be easy week in and week out to uh, draw the tougher assignments and come up short week in and week out and still go out there and give them effort. He, I, and all you have to do is to figure out where that comes from. Look at his brother, Stephon Diggs, and what he's done with the Bills since he left the Vikings. I mean, it's their, I mean, it's, it's. I've heard, I've heard that that too, that's a big part of his drive is just the competitiveness of your Stephon Diggs' brother. And he's, no, I'm Trayvon Diggs. Not that he has any distaste for his brother. He's very close to his brother, but a little bit of that little brother syndrome of like, I'm my own man. I can come. And he takes that drive. I, I heard from somebody not long ago that he, he really internalizes all the stuff he hears from the coaching staff, not in a bad way that he like kind of keeps a running list and he contacts the people that he works out with during the off season. And he's telling them like, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. I'm going to have to work on, get ready, get a plan together for this stuff. This is what they're telling me. I'm good on this. I'm good on that. But, you know, let's get this together for the. So he's very proactive in, you know, what do I need to get better at? That's it. Okay, cool. I'm going to make a plan. I'll do what I can now. But during the off season, when I can't be with the coaching staff and I've got to do things on my own, let me get with people and start having them develop plans for me. And then let's okay. have open communication. And so I know they're very high on him and they're very high on, you know, yeah, he's going through his lumps, but that guy's going to be a star. And so that's really encouraging I think Randy Gregory playing as well as he did and hopefully kind of quieting any sort of lingering questions anybody may have had about will he be here for the long term or anything else. I think the Cowboys would be really wise as they're trying to get deals done. I think it'd be wise with him having a year left. Go ahead and try and get something done before he potentially goes out there again and plays really well and is needing a big deal. Go out there and try and get some value now. And I know Randy's been very appreciative of everything the Joneses have done to stick by him and everything this organization's done to fight for him. And so I'm not saying he's going to go out there and try and bleed him dry in a negotiation, but it, it'd be good to probably get that done now and, and get that he done in the next couple of weeks. He hasn't made money the last couple of years. And if you think about it, this yeah. time last year, he was working at an Amazon shipping center. So yeah. I think he was delivering he, your Christmas I, presents this time last year. I, I do think the NFC East as a division is going to improve next year. I mean, if you look at it, this division had three brand new coaches. I think Washington's going to be really good next I year. I think Wash. I was just about to say it. Washington is the team that scares me because they have played despite the drama with their owner, with injuries to not only their starting quarterback, their backup quarterback, and now this Dwayne Haskins fiasco. Um, defensively, they've had injuries. Offensively, they've had injuries. And they've still managed to play hard week in, week out. And they made all of those investments on the defensive line. You know, the guys like Ryan Kerrigan, Kendall Fuller, Montez Sweat. So, I think they're going to be a threat. But, Bobby, the other team, if they can get the offense figured out, Joe Judge and what he's doing with that Giants defense, especially when I looked at their record on the roads, that's a team that should worry you a little bit too. I'm their their defense, both those defenses are, Eagles. Both those defenses are really strong that the Giants and Washington have. Washington especially. Washington's, I, I mean, we've seen it twice this year. They are they hit hard. They're fast. They They're... They're kind of what people seem to be saying about Dallas back in 2018, where it's man, they fly to the ball. They're they're so yeah. good at tackling, and there's they're really good at that. They get a lot of pressure. I this wouldn't happen, I don't think. But you know, they they tried to woo Amari Cooper over there and throw a mm-hmm. bunch of money at him. That didn't happen. Uh, but I sit here and I think about you know what if uh, what if they go draft a a wide receiver with their first pick, get another weapon there for Terry McLaurin. They already got Antonio Gibson, and then they say. You know, a year from now, if Dallas has decided to fumble things with Dak the way we did with Kirk Cousins, let's get Dak in here to be our quarterback. Oh. Wouldn't that be fun? Imagine. Can you imagine? And I think he'd love to play for a guy like Ron Rivera. I mean, I've said oh, yeah. this before in this podcast. Ron Rivera is one of my favorite coaches in the league, and he's so well-liked by so many people in the media. And you get that speak about Ron because that's just authentically who he is. He is. I've got so many stories, offline stories about him as a person from other people 
in this business, like he is, he's salt of the earth and he really gets these guys to believe. I told you he got these guys to, to believe based on what he did with his 2014 Carolina team, that it was just win and get in. Um, and he's so a former yeah. player. He's, he's one of them. He's been around. He was a player who kind of like Sean Lee was a player who then went into coaching pretty quickly or what we anticipate Sean Lee might do. And then has stayed around the coaching ranks for a long time. And so he's a, I mean, he's a football lifer, and I think they're building something really good there in Washington. And I think the Giants, it's a question, how much more do you see Daniel Jones growing? I think Jason Garrett, for all the criticism he's gotten, I think Jason Garrett's done a really good job limiting. His biggest problem, Daniel Jones, was all the mistakes he was making, all the turnovers he was creating. And that's one thing that Jason Garrett's done a really good job of is getting him to limit his mistakes. They'll get Saquon Barkley. They'll get Saquon back healthy. Maybe they add another receiver weapon to go with Ingram and – and, you know, they've they've had their issues on offense. Like, you know, you lose uh, your starting left tackle who opted out. You lose Saquon Barkley to injury early on. So, I mean, they're... Yeah, the drama with Mark Colombo and your offensive yeah, line. Yeah, they're, pl- of- they're playing with a lot of... There's been a lot of issues there, but they both have solid futures, I think. I think I'd take Washington over New York moving forward. But, yeah, Philadelphia's just in trouble because they've got massive... Got no wide receivers. They, they have no... Really- that. that I mean Rager's hopefully going to be good but I mean there's still the jury's still out on him you've got a quarterback problem and you have you are to the brim past it on your salary cap right now the Eagles are in a lot of trouble I think there's going to be some blowing up they're going to have to do and I don't know how quickly they're going to come back and this is why I think the Cowboys franchise tag Dak Prescott this year figure out what they've got because they're looking at what happened with the Eagles and remember they kept saying we don't want to pay Todd Gurley money. Todd doesn't deserve it. Todd plays the year under that contract. But then they paid it. They they ship him off. He ends up going to the Falcons. He's not really been a factor for the Falcons. I was covering them a couple of weeks ago. They went ahead and they paid Dak. That hasn't worked. I mean, Zeke, that hasn't really worked out for them. So do they apply the same logic where we knew we shouldn't have paid? We did, and it bit us. We know we shouldn't pay the quarterback X amount for four years because, you know, I think they're going to they're going to have to come up with more money up front and the guaranteed if they're going to want that five year deal. I mean, because that was the sticking point because they wanted the flexibility of the cap space. But I just wonder, as ever so many people think the Carson Wentz thing is helping their situation, Dax, I wonder if it's going to hurt him. Let me uh, just. Pulling back the curtain and and showing, you know, behind the scenes a little bit. Jane knows how worked up I get at this Very. line of thinking. We were on the phone on Saturday chit-chatting about this same sort of concept. And I was so passionate that she actually lost track on her GPS and went like 20 minutes past her exit. And so that's... I was in deep East Texas. And I was like, Bobby, I got to call you back. I got I her gotta, lost because I, I was... I was, because... I was basically saying, let me say in the cleanest language possible that I didn't use necessarily on the phone. If they were to use that logic and apply it and go, let's apply what we've learned from Zeke and apply this to our quarterback situation. This is... That would be a signal that this team... Is, is not winning again until a new family takes over ownership. And I don't know that that would happen anytime soon. But that 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 is that would be one of the single dumbest personnel moves I think a team would make. And I cannot believe, even though they've pussyfooted around and they've had their little cute games that they're playing here a little bit with this, and they've, they've tried to you know win the negotiation so hard on this one for some reason, the most important position is the one they're really committed to winning the negotiation on. I think that... Deep down, even with all those bad red flags, they cannot be so dense as to do that. And so I can't believe that they would. I can't I can't okay. because I've got to stay positive. As you say, positivity. I need to stay positive. And the only way I would have a positive outlook on anything for the next 30 years with this team, because that's how long it'll be when Jerry and then Steven's taking it over. The only way I could have a positive outlook is don't do that. Because if you do that, you I will feel like you're not going to win for 30 years. I need my watermelon drink now you. while you talk. But I also do feel like if the argument was we can't overpay our quarterback because we have all these guys to take care of, this year has made it even more complicated than ever. Give me the latest rundown of all of your starters that ended up on IR and that we have question marks about what their health is going to look like next year. Uh, well, I mean, Travis Frederick retired and then you had Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Blake Jarwin. Um, 
Zeke has been hurt at times this year. Dak goes out uh, on the defense. You lost Gerald McCoy early. You had to cut Don Terry Poe. Um, you've had Alden Smith, who's played in every game, but has been banged up a lot of the season. He won't uh, Demarcus, La- yeah, I agree. Demarcus Lawrence, who's been hurt a lot of the season, was playing hurt early on, really bad. Randy Gregory, who was suspended up until six weeks into the season. Um, Sean Lee, who was hurt through the first six, seven weeks of the season. Leighton Vanderash, who's currently on IR. Okay, so I'll stop you right there. My point is, Jalen Smith, who's Jalen Smith? A lot of question marks as relates to who are your bona fide starters that you feel good about their health and their wealth and age to continue playing for your team. And how much of that do you have to identify in free agency and pay? How much can you take care of that? Didn't they learn not to do free agency though this year? Didn't they learn? So, so, so if you're going to, so you're going to have to replace them with young guys anyway. So to me, it's like, you're going to have to replace them with young, cheap players. Anyway, there's not a lot of guys. You've pretty much extended everybody who is extendable over these next, there's not like, a guy coming up in the next year or so who you really need to pay. The only one left is Dak. That's why I don't understand the argument that they keep trying to make about high and in their face though, Bobby, if they didn't get this done for him last year Mm -hmm. and they get a four year done for him this year, do you see I'm, I'm saying like they would have to admit that they were wrong last year. Yeah. But I mean, it's that same adage about like, don't keep making a terrible mistake just because you spent a long time making it. And and I think I agree with that. And, and so and I know that's why I say I know you do. And I and that's the thing I think there's so many people, fans, analysts, reporters, uh, other coaches, people you hear talking on the former GMs and stuff who are now out of the league and talking about things in media interviews but and things Bobby, like that. There are so many. Pe- Jerry, it's what Jerry's saying recently. No, but I my my literally fine. He's he is literally firing missives at us to prepare us for the possibility. That they franchise tag him. Do they do that? Well, they're going to franchise tag him in terms of just a whole control. Just a, it's a matter of if they're willing to get a negotiation. But I'm saying to, but he's going to play on it. If he plays on it, he's leaving. And that's and I'm talking about at that point, it wouldn't even be up to them. I think if they well, franchise to me, him if twice, they're going to franchise tag him again. They're okay with him leaving, and they're going to wait and see what they can get in a draft. I, I think I think you're just franchise. If you franchise him, it's just because you haven't gotten a deal done, and you're trying to hold power so that he doesn't but it's get swiped. Also, going to require Dak's agent Todd France, mm-hmm. who wouldn't do it last year, to budge on those years. Because I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they have to. And that's the thing. Because the- how, many, how many times has I told during contract negotiations last year, we don't do four-year deals. We've never done them. The, we, we never sign, that, we never sign so running backs. And they did okay, it. So you didn't do the four-year deal then. Mm-hmm. It got contentious with your quarterback. Mm-hmm. You've realized how much you need your quarterback. But now you're going to admit that you should have done the four-year and you're going to do it this year? You uh, should. You should. Know. You absolutely you should. should. I don't know if they will. Well, and, and so that's why, to me, what leverage do they have? None, basically. They basically have none. And so I think that what you're seeing is universally people looking at it, I think, go, Dak has all the cards. Dak is, has oh, all the leverage. I think we're going to hear more about Andy Dalton in this all That is my point. I think they're going to use Andy that's Dalton. That's my point. I, th- I think what you're, hearing Jerry, what you're hearing Jerry talk about, that was a devastating injury in October. It depressed a lot of people on the team. That was a a tough thing that went down. I think it would have been viewed in poor taste in October if Jerry's talking about, you know, well, you know, room, you know, we got to have pot. I think it just would have been viewed in poor taste. It wasn't the time to make that discussion. And so I think now that it's December and the negotiating window could be opening up in three weeks again, I think what you're seeing is Jerry going like, okay, universally, everybody says we have no leverage here. I'm not just going to get railroaded. And so I've got to do something to create leverage. That's what I have to believe because I cannot believe, I can't believe they are this stupid. I know, I know, but I can't believe it. I got to believe there are enough smart people in that building. And I know there are smart people in that building who argue for him that will tell them, this is the way it is. I feel like it's got to just be a negotiating tactic. If they let him walk out the door, it is similar to. But shouldn't you at least be smart enough, to, Bobby, though, uh, to at least give yourself the opportunity to fully evaluate whether that ankle is going to be good to go? It would be irresponsible of um, office to go ahead and give him that long term deal without seeing him in meaningful playing time. In I, my opinion. I, I don't know. I think if you get good word from the doctors, you're fine. You spent a second round pick based off of what a doctor told you about Jalen Smith. Jalen, I was, and, and so I mean, they, my argument. they've they've felt good about what doctors have told them about guys before, and they've been willing to do things, and they've got a good medical team. They had, they were the ones who their doctors looked at it and said that quad specifically put a note in Gerald McCoy's contract that says it's voided if that quad pops, and that's exactly what happened. It was the right one. They knew exactly it, and so I think they've got a do- doctors that if the doctors looking to go. 
he's good, then I think that that should be enough of peace of mind for them that they shouldn't go risking anything else and, and turning this into a cute negotiation. They are in this position because they've tried to turn it into a cute negotiation before. And I think they, they got to realize they can't do this again. Okay. Look, I am happy to dole out as much. This is on the Cowboys. They should have gotten this done before Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't be in this position. They deserve all that. Mm -hmm. But also you had an agent who didn't really try in the weeks and months leading up to this thing to get this deal done. Fair. It's going to require both of these sides coming to meet in the middle and saying, all right, we want more money up front. We need you to eat that five-year thing that you just keep holding on to and give us the four. If the Cowboys can figure that out, the deal gets done. If we're still harping on this four-year deal, I just don't see – them budging on this it was like the same conversation though that ultimately and that's why this is the the tough thing and i'm certain this had to be what todd i don't know this for a fact but i'm certain this is what todd france had to be telling them if you wanted the five-year deal you needed to get it done and not have these disrespectful offers in the offseason of 2019 because you had him on the last year of his rookie deal it could have been a five you have put yourself in this position where the money is so tough now. That is on you. And just like when Demarcus Lawrence told Stephen Jones, he said, that's your problem. You have to figure that out. My job is I did my job and I get, I'm supposed to get this. And I think that's sort of the same argument is they go, it is your fault that you're in this position. I'm sorry, but this is the way it is. You don't get a discount for making bad cap decisions and for having, you know, disingenuous negotiations in the summer of 2019 where you're dealing out honestly offensive offers for the position. And so I, you're rolling your eyes at me now, but I'm saying that was honestly an offense. You don't offer that. Was offensive no, 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 that was not the 2019. Fine. That was not the 2019 offer. That okay, was, that was last year. Was offensive. 20, and but that's, he also didn't come out and have the year that he had in 2019. But I, and we've talked about this. There were people in that building that summer who said he's going to take a huge step this year. We've already seen what John Kitten has done with his mechanics. He's going to be inc- – we talked about it on your reports. Until you, I hear you, but until you see it. But they they were, they were knew it. They kept talking internally about I, we know what I this is going to be. I think the thing that hurt him the most is – we've talked about this before on the show. They will always see you how you came in. That is applicable to your job, my job, everyone's job. They have always seen him as the fourth-round guy – that they gave the keys to the kingdom. We literally did not let Tony Romo compete for his job. And you got all these endorsement deals and your household name because we gave you the keys, to the kingdom, much like when we heard Jerry Jones talking about Ezekiel, LA, I've earned the right. I think that was the mentality for the Cowboys heading into those negotiations in 2019. And then 2019, he got the leverage because he had the year that he had. And so then you had Todd France playing hardball with this four-year, five-year deal. I am curious to see. I know that Dak has sort of settled down here. He calls this home. He loves that locker room. And after you've gone through an injury like that on a franchise tag, you haven't really sustained an injury like that ever before. Do you think to yourself, job security might be nice? And you go ahead and you sign the five-year deal with the money up front. I wouldn't be surprised if we see ourselves getting to that point. I have a tough time because the whole thing to me is if he was on Why the old- problem with the five year, if you're, if you're getting more money up front, uh, because uh, that's the thing though, is that it's, if you're getting money up front, it's, 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 it's so layered in terms of when the Cowboys talk about like, we've offered, you know, a top three offer them and that's it. It's, it's okay, wormy language, knock away the ego and the past. Explain to me why you have a problem with a five year deal, more money up front. Because, and this is the thing that the Cowboys... And more money guaranteed. Let's, so I'm talking more money guaranteed, and I'm also talking per year. Um, Let's be, say it's a $40 million year. I'm giving you more guaranteed money, but it's a five-year deal to give me some cap flexibility. You're going to tell me no on that? Yes, 100%. Because 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 I it, because the, the amount that you would guarantee extra to get an entire extra year locking him in at a time when we're looking at five years from now, after a new TV deal comes down and the cap skyrockets, you're going to be looking at 50, $60 million deals. And you're going to have Dak in that fifth year for exchanging for, Oh, five extra million, uh, total guaranteed. Great. In order to, you know, in five years be making 25 million less than the guys of his caliber. And so I don't, I would not blame him for doing that at all. And it's like when we talked to David Cantor and we had talked about that offer, 
He said, well, Cowboys fans can be mad at me. I, I have no skin in the game. I'm not his guy. If I was his agent, I would tell him, do not sign that. That is a bad deal. I, maybe I'm applying too much of my own logic here. I signed a five-year deal with the NFL Network after my first season. Also for $35 million annually. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm rich. <laughs> uh, my instinct at the time was, in two years, I'm going to peak. I want to go and try and get a job with Fox, ESPN. Let's see what they've got for me. But the idea of financial security and a job in a business that's so volatile and you never know what's going to happen. Every place I've been after two years, there's a programming director change or a news director change, you name it. I leaned in on this. And two years ago, if I'd gone out in the market, I probably would have gotten a, a big deal. It was after some of these big cowboy seasons. But then this COVID thing hit. And I am so grateful that I signed the contract that I did now to sort of get me through it. My, my point in bringing that up is you just don't know what's around the river bend. And it's sort of nice to have some job security. And so... I just wonder. But look at the standard. There's nobody else in the league asking to or signing five-year deals. Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, he's signing that 10-year deal. But there's also a large financial commitment there of half a million or half a billion dollars from the Chiefs. So that's a different deal entirely. But you look at, go down the list whenever it's happened. Deshaun Watson, four-year extension. Jared Goff, four years. Carson Wentz, four years. It's the industry standard. You are not. not, But but you are applying the Cowboys don't do anything the way the 31 other teams in this league do. They don't so want they time, don't want to, but they have to. Every time you and I get in this argument about this team, I'm mm-hmm. like, you forget who we're talking about. No, I know, I know. They don't want to, but they ultimately have to. They didn't necessarily want to handle the Dez negotiation. They, they do if they want to get him. They that's the way they had to get Dez. You had to pay Zeke Gurley money to get him. You did, even though you it was still more of a team friendly deal. I mean, depending, you've got you're still going to have a tough time holding. You know, for the next two years, it's tough to get him out, and he's already looking like he's breaking down. So, I mean, I think that's the thing is that sure, Jerry has said before. You know, well, I don't look at what other people do, and you know, he said these sorts of things. Okay, then you just won't get the player. You can negotiate like that, absolutely. But you he's won't get the player. Okay with it, though, Bobby. I but mean, that's that's that, been okay with that's it. how he talks. But he signed Zeke ultimately. He signed Demarcus Lawrence ultimately. He signed Des Bryant ultimately. They signed them to these deals that ultimately fall in line with the rest of the league. That's why I feel like it's tough talk. But if they decide to be so principled, what he said a couple weeks ago, you got to turn off the lights. The turn off the light strategy. That honestly didn't make much sense to me what he said. But <laughs> but to it's me, I think so I, it, I think it's he's creating leverage. I think he knows he's got none heading to this negotiation. He's trying to do anything he can to salvage something in the negotiations. But I think ultimately they have to get it done. And I think that because I have to. Because if that's not the case and he's really talking about what he thinks, then that is so terrifying. And this team is is got a bleaker future than the Philadelphia Eagles with all their cap hell, if that's the case. I told you we were going to be optimistic here, Bobby. I know. And then you made me talk about Dak Prescott. I know you get so worked up. I know. Uh, Well, we're going to be talking a lot about this as it relates to this team, this franchise, uh, building this team back to what they had hoped it would be this season, a winning record. I still think that right now, as I look at the NFC East, the Cowboys have a very good shot of getting into the playoffs. It's realistic. I would not be surprised if they are hosting a wild card game here after – next week they could beat the giants very very easily and who knows what washington's gonna do but i mean yeah it's it's possible i would still probably lean towards i think washington gets in but i i do think it's very possible that dallas ultimately is in the playoffs which is wild to say and i hope it doesn't cause the cowboys to keep the status quo in a few areas because they can justify xyz because oh we made the playoffs there's still serious need of changes Ultimately, the window's closing for Jerry Jones. He's been saying it for years. You're going to have to make very decisive decisions about this defense and that coaching staff, because just because we've seen them turn the corner on play, I don't believe that it's for the coaching staff at all. I believe it's these guys are trying to keep their jobs next year, because I think a lot of them are worried that it's not going to be uh, there for them next year. And I think there are a couple guys that should be worried. I, I do think that this season has allowed the Cowboys to have a more honest evaluation of their personnel. But like I said, we'll have all of this and more to talk about. We've got, obviously, Cowboys and Giants this weekend. Bobster and I are going to record another one uh, this week before we wrap up ahead of the new year. New year, new us. 
We're going to get progressively more optimistic as this week goes on, Bob. I promise if you're not, I will bring uh, the energy. But I think we're going to be talking a little bit more about this Washington team uh, for our next episode because I think, as Bobby said, they're the one thing standing in the way of the Cowboys getting to the playoffs. 